Good day, y'all. Welcome to the F Club Podcast, where we talk to all kinds of interesting people doing all kinds of interesting things. Today, we're talking to Doug Emerson, longtime owner of University Bicycles here in Boulder, Colorado. Doug gives us some business perspective, some life perspective, some stories about what it's like to run, according to him, the greatest bike shop in America. I hope you all enjoy. Okay, I'm here with my friend Doug Emerson for another episode of the F Club podcast. Doug owns University Bicycles at the corner of 9th and Pearl in Boulder, and we have been friends for a long, long time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thanks for being you, Doug, early and often. So, U-Bikes opened in 1985? Yes. And you weren't in your current location. Tell us about the early days of the shop. Well, the early days of the shop, I was working out of my house to go way back. I was working at the Spoke on the Hill in the early 80s, and people would come in, hey guys, you you rent bikes? No. Do you sell used bikes? No. You know anybody who does? No. So that's when I started to go to the flea market and bring back bikes and rent the bikes to students and tourists, and I was doing it out of my garage at 400 Marine Street, and then it started to go so well that I... You know, you can't really have a commercial uh, venture out of your garage. So I closed that down. And then March 1st, 1985, I rented a basement underneath Rob's Music Store in a building that has since been torn down where Chipotle was, right across from West End Tavern. The world-famous West End Tavern. So I had a parapet and a 1,000 square feet, and I was down there in the basement for... I was only there for eight months, and then... Literally Halloween of 1985, we moved to the corner of Ninth and Pearl. And when you first moved into Ninth and Pearl, it was not the grandiose mega store that it is now. It was no, we rented maybe 3,500 square feet. There was a one of those picture frame stores next door where you do it and yourself. You frame it. Yeah. you frame it. I think it was actually called uh, You Frame It, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the Colorado Daily newspaper was upstairs, and yeah, there was a, a number of ventures in that building. So, what was Pearl Street like then? Seedy. Seedy. Yeah. The West End Tavern was the... The Red uh, Cross. The Red Cross with hobos sleeping outside. Yeah. And, uh, we don't call them hobos now, Doug. I do. Yeah, I don't know what um. we call them. I'm not sure hobos is... Hobos are the dudes that jumped on and off of trains with their stick. Well, some of them got off here and uh, they were hanging around Pearl Street and then... Rob from Rob's Music tells a hilarious story about when he was in the cottage that Pasta J eventually opened up in, and he was in half of it, and the other half was in a illegitimate massage parlor. Nice. West End. Yeah. 1983. Yeah. Go down. So there was those three little Victorians and the biggest cottonwood tree you've ever seen in your life that was in that space before that building. All those houses got torn down. Rob's music then moved across the street before Jack's was there, before yeah. the Small Wonder Cafe. What about west of, of you? What was that block like? Gas station. It was a gas station at 9th and Pearl, the Amico, Rob's, Riches, not Rob's, Riches. Yeah, and then the uh, Sinclair station down at 8th and Pearl where Dot Steiner was. Yeah. So Lo- two places you could get gas on West Pearl. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy to think about that now. 
Yeah, and Terracini Market. I don't know if you remember that that Terracini Market health food store was in the basement of the building across the street. Yeah. We actually grew so fast we had to rent. We rented it after they left and rented bikes out of that. And that little no-tell motel that was on the south corner of 9th and Pearl that Frank Hagen bought and turned into eight days a week. A lot of changes, Dave. Yeah. A lot of changes. Nothing but change. You're in retail and over many beers with you over the last... 33 years that we've been friends. I've often said that your brand retail kind of crosses borders into retail hospitality. How did that happen? How did you go from just selling bikes to what you've created, the level and the style of retail? How did that happen? How did that evolve? Well, having worked in bike shops, seeing how there was a very elitist attitude, exclusionary attitude in most of the bike shops where I worked. And it's true in the climbing and mountaineering stores and and ski stores. I mean, you're just not cool enough to buy anything here. And I thought if we applied a more friendly, welcoming attitude, people would buy things from me. At the root of it is my ability to remember names, which you know is, Dave would often call me like, hey, I got a couple sitting at a table here. Uh, he looks like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Zan and Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can remember names. And you know something, Dave? Whenever I tell people that, I have never in my life had anybody say to me, oh, I'm really good too. Yeah. No one. Yeah. It's always like, oh, man, I'm good with faces. Well, I'm great with names. And... That's why people felt comfortable coming to the store because I was going to greet them with their name. I'm not going to take $1,000 of your money and then run into you a couple days later and be like, what was your name again? So that definitely helped build the welcoming culture at the store. So culture, first, first use of that word. You built an incredible culture. In the day, you were the first one to unlock the door in the morning. You were the last one to lock the door at night. You've had not that many managers in the 35 years that you've been in business. 35? 35. 35. People stick around like they do with us. You, you keep people for a long, long time. But it's ingrained. You like to say often that University Bikes is the best bike shop in America. Who else in America has a great bike shop? Where are there other great bike shops? Dave Gutler, River City Cycles in Portland. People often go there and come back and say that his shop reminded them of, of my store. Yeah. And uh, that's it. And that's the only <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, service in America sucks. Like, we, we buy our gas at the pump. We get our money at the machine. Nobody wants to interact with people. You have this incredible... You were voted the best bike shop in America three years ago in your 32nd year of business. Kind of an incredible achievement. Retail in America has kind of shit the bed, by and large. Online sales are the thing, especially with the pandemic. How did you fare during the pandemic? If we grew 5%, for a 35-year-old business to grow 5%, that's pretty good. We grew 42%. So most people have read about the bike boom that the pandemic created, but holy cow, it, it was strong. Strong. And so universal product shortages, inventory challenges, you know, you blew through, you have a a huge warehouse upstairs that I've seen, you had offsite storage for a while, you blew through all of your inventory. I remember last November, like before Christmas, the store was kind of bare. A lot of your components that are put on a bike are made overseas. What does the next year look like? I think we'll claw our way back. And we did go from our usual 
about 1,100 bikes in the building. We got down to 180. I mean, we had a weekend in May where while only letting six people in the store at a time, we sold 53 bikes on a Saturday, and the next day we sold 52. Wow. I mean, everybody came in. Nobody was kicking tires, man. They were there to buy stuff. So we did get very lean. We've clawed our way back. We're operating now with probably 500. I think by September, we could be back up to full strength. Yeah. Yeah, inventory-wise. And what's the change? What's the new thing in the bike world? For a long time, it, I mean, it's been many phases of the new coolest thing in bikes. What what do you see taken off in the in the world of bikes? Regionally, we're seeing a lot of gravel bikes because people are afraid of being on the paved roads with the traffic. So that's that's definitely boomed. And then the electric assist bikes is booming. We knew it was already big in Asia and in Europe, and it's definitely taken root here. I just sold a couple of bikes to the 78-year-old couple. They're athletic. They've always ridden, and they were reluctant to throw a leg over. And I knew once they test rode, everybody who tests rides comes back with a big grin. And then everybody who owns one becomes an evangelist for electric assist bikes. Once they realize that, you know, it's not a throttle, you have to pedal, and you just go faster and farther. And I finally closed them with, hey, man, you could go 12 miles an hour for the rest of your life if you want, or you could go 18 or 20 miles an hour with the wind in your hair. Up a hill. And Yeah. Like, when was the last time you went up Four Mile Canyon? It's funny. I'm yep. on a ride, and you're up in areas where you would not see somebody, mm-hmm. and up comes this... <clears throat> elderly person just rocking and rolling and probably a ride that they haven't taken in a long time yep in an area they haven't been in a long time it's been like it's it's fun to it's life-changing for some people you know they have to force themselves to take rest days they're so active on their new bike i'm more interested in in the commuter application of electric assist bikes because you put some a basket or panniers saddlebags on there and Good to go. You'll have to, you know, start your car up every once in a while just to make sure the battery still works. It's the future, and the future has landed. This is not a passing fad. Yeah, seems that way. Yeah. So you've been in business for a long time in Boulder. 35 years is a long time for any business, but to be in business in Boulder at a super high-profile corner with a super high-profile business, what have you seen change in the world of your bike competition and bicycle sales in general in Boulder? How has it changed? There's always about 12 bike shops in Boulder. I've watched 44 of them go out of business. I keep a list. (laughs) Got little notches on my bedpost. 44 have gone out of business. It's not like there's a lack of demand in Boulder, Colorado. It's the biggest bike town in the United States. So I would say the main problem in retail in general is they don't hire enough and they don't fire enough. There's not enough people to help. And get things done and then they let things fester when there's an unhappy employee and it wears on the other employees so when we hire somebody dave i sort of fire them on the same day i'm like hey man i'm the only one who's going to grow old here okay this is a job at a bike shop it's great to have you here but and you can work here if you're in school you can work here once you're out of school it's about a three-year clock is ticking and we have discussions about What's next? Well before they burn out. And that's worked really, really well. 
Because, you know, when you've seen in the restaurant business, somebody burns out, they're like the last one to know. Everybody else knows it. Like the drunkest person in the room <laughs> trying to tell jokes, thinking they're funny. <laughs> yeah. So we do keep good employees, but there is still that discussion on, hey, man, where, you going to own your own bike shop? You're, where's this going? Right. Retail is like a sports team where there's always younger, more enthusiastic, more energetic people coming up behind you. And as veteran as you are, it's time to look for something else. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always loved bikes? Yep. It's the hand of God. You hopped on a bike when you were 17 and rode across country. That was your first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Summer before my senior year, 1976. Can't believe my parents let me do it. I went with... No cell phones, no maps, no... We had... (laughs) We had maps. I mean, no like, like gas uh, station maps. Yeah, you know, to, yeah. No, no. Uh, whatever you call it, Google Maps on your phone. No, no. Just two guys with sleeping bags in a pup tent, and we relied on the kindness of others often. And people are kind. And you came through Boulder, loved it. Said to yourself, "I'm I'm going to go home for my senior year, and I'm going to apply to come out here." And by September '77, I was out here. Jersey blows. <laughs> Jersey just blows. That was Jersey blows, just for clarity, for those of you who may not have heard that. He said it, not me. I love Jersey. He doesn't seem to like it. Doug and I met in 1988. I had the Lick Skillet Cafe. We had a little garage in the back in Gold Hill, and Doug asked if he could rent mountain bikes out of the garage. And so he would bring some bikes up in the morning. People would come up for brunch. They'd rent a bike, tool around, put their name on the list, and we've been buddies ever since. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thanks. For being here, Doug. Yeah, love the Big Red F. God bless you. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Doug from University of Bikes. Such a refreshing and irreverent business mind. It's always fun to talk to Doug. Special thanks to Stanton Sutton for taking out all the ums and the F-bombs. Hope you all are safe, enjoying this beautiful springtime wherever you are. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving.